0: Welcome to Wine for Me podcast where I chat to anyone that can give you and me insight into the South African wine industry please enjoy Today I'm chatting to Talita Fenter Talita is a lecturer at the University of Stellenbosch in the Department of Viticulture and Enology her work experiences include the Lima Mountain vineyards and also Baxburg Talita, tell us, how did you get into the wine industry? Oh, well, for someone like me coming from Port Elizabeth, where you don't find
1: a grapevine at all, um, I basically just heard a radio talk show on a Saturday morning, and at that stage I think I was about 10 years old, and they were speaking to the first wine woman winemaker at that stage. Um, okay. That was Weed, I think, from Hosendal. Yeah, and that's, I always knew, um, having my mom come from a farming community in the Free State, I... Always thought I'd like to work on a farm one day, and then basically wine farming piqued my
0: interest. Wow! So so early at the age of ten, yeah. I wish my kids will already have interest at this age. Well, (laughs) at at
1: least um, I did have some other things to
0: try and battle it out with as I got older, but yes, sanity prevailed. (laughs) So, you then came to Stellenbosch to study, um, tell us a little bit more about the start of your career. Okay, um, I graduated in
1: 2009 and mm-hmm. landed a wonderful job at NEMA as a viticulturist, uh, starting in January 2010. And that's where it all started. Um, yeah, three and a half years uh, with them, managing both the Elgin and um,
0: Stellenbosch vineyards. Now you're at the University of Stellenbosch. now. A lot of people see winemaking as this romantic career choice. Maybe you should give us more of an in-depth discussion on what it involves. Yes, it's very romanticized and obviously most of my
1: classmates always said they want to be the winemaker. That's the more common route to follow. But in my fourth year, I had a wonderful experience with Prof. Archer uh, during a practical where his love for the vineyards and the grapevines was just tangible and absolutely infectious. And that day, I made my decision to actually go into viticulture. And yes, it's a tough world out there. It's not easy. You also, especially if you're working outside, you can't control Mother Nature. So Mm. every day is a challenge. You can plan until you're blue in the face. Mm. But um, if it starts to rain unexpectedly, then you...
0: You're stuck. You have to make another plan. Okay, but speaking now of those plants, now if you do have a very difficult growing season, I guess you guys have all kinds of ideas or theories in place that you can maybe put into practice. I guess that's what you learn when you do viticulture. Yes,
1: uh, to a degree we can try and rectify anything, but yes, you have to be very vigilant. You have to be able to mm-hmm. read the season quite early on and forecast what you think could be problematic, mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. that you can then make an action in, in time. Because obviously sometimes you will go and break out leaves or, or other actions to open the canopy to enhance more tropical flavours, mm-hmm. but if you're going to have a very hot spell just shortly after that, obviously oh, not a good idea. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So everything, and every, I always tell the students as well, every, for every action there's a reaction. So whatever yeah. you do to the vine, it's going to react in some way. Yes. Um, and timing of certain actions is critical. So, yes, there's not much we can do about cold spells and hot spells. Um, they come and go. Mm. But we can try and alleviate that through
0: irrigation management mm. and, and other canopy management practices. Yeah. Luckily, in the Western Cape, we don't have extreme heat and extreme cold. It's Mediterranean, so it's pretty mild. Yes, we're lucky yes. that way. Now, we are sort of, I'm hoping we're at the end of it, a drought um, in the Western Cape. And I know. A lot of people made all kinds of plans in the vineyards to combat this whole drought issue. What was your plans or what is the thing that you do when you sit with a drought and you need these scrapes to irrigate properly? And Yeah, that's, um obviously it
1: depends on whether you've got water available. Mm-hmm. That's your first problem. Um, also, if you're working with a water scheme, such okay. as we, we did handle that um, in the area, then you only have a certain amount of water that's available to you. Which is regulated by law mm. um, so then the critical thing is to manage that water source that you have. Okay. Not irrigate in times where it's maybe not as critical, so mm. rather save your resources for the flowering times and uh, just before the raise on. Where you mm. want the vine to be in a, in a happy state um, and then later on we can, mm. as we build up to harvest we tend to stress the vines a bit, which is fine. Um, and then we just have very small supplementary
0: irrigations normally to just keep it ticking along if there happens to mm. be a very hot okay. spell or heat wave. Now, what if the winemaker tells you that he refused to irrigate and it must all happen naturally? Is there anything that you can do in drought situations like cutting down leaves or making the canopy thicker or whatever?
1: Well, I suppose you can alleviate it in s- to some degree by reducing your crop load. Okay. And almost have a a trellis bush vine situation, I suppose we can call it that. But yes, so you can read the, um, the ratio if you're doing... Mm. Um, Take some samples during the season at pruning time and harvest time and you know how vegetative your vine is and what the crop load is, you can find out whether it's in balance. And based on that if you've got enough vegetative growth you can keep your load the same and it will still ripen your fruit. If you see that that vegetative growth is going down and your harvest or yield Mm. is escalating then you maybe have to think of just uh, cropping a little bit less. Okay. Which obviously
0: then has a financial implication again
1: because you're losing yeah. the crop.
0: Yeah, but I, I guess for some people making bulk wines, they want the quantity and then people that make more boutique wines, they want quality. Depends on what you want and, and what your goal is in the end. Yeah, and then at the university, you sort of changed the, the way of teaching a little bit lately and that's why you're there. Yes. So tell us a little bit about what you actually do with the students.
1: Okay, so basically our whole curriculum has been turned on its head. Uh, we're focusing a lot more now on the practical aspect of teaching, mm-hmm. along with the theoretical knowledge. Uh, because Stellenbosch students have always been very strong on the theoretical basis, um, and not necessarily as strong in actually applying that in, in the vineyard. And obviously the other thing that's important to me is that every single vine looks different. Okay. So it's very difficult to teach with just a recipe. Um, Mm. of this is how we prune a vine. So to be able to expose them to a differentiation in Mm. a heterogeneous um, vineyard would be great. So yes, we've got a lot of plans in place and then one of those plans are the project, what's called the project, it's a module that I'm I'm responsible for at the moment, starting in the second year and then follows through to the third and fourth year. And this is basically to help them prepare for the six-month internship that they complete in the fourth year. So we're covering anything from research methodology, literature reviews, and obviously all the vineyard work aspects. So we'll okay. have them pruning, we'll have them suckering, everything. So, so do you we, go
0: out early in the morning with these students?
1: That's the problem. We have to kind of fit it into their class schedule, so if you, <laughs> if you get like a late afternoon practical and you die of sunstroke, that's unfortunately how the roster worked. Um, but yes, we're also in the process of actually revamping all our vineyards. So mm. out with the old, in with the new. And there's some very exciting things happening there in partnership with Winpro. We're actually okay. putting up some demonstration sites mm. to expose them to different plenishing systems, different pruning systems, and actually give them a, a very good picture of what they could possibly encounter outside.
0: Okay. From a farming or a grape growing perspective, I know they always say slopes are better than valley floor and the exposure from the morning sun versus the afternoon mm-hmm. sun. Now, what's your opinion about what's the perfect place to plant grapevines? Well, it all depends on the cultivar. Okay.
1: Because they are different, um, they've got different needs, they've got different characteristics. So, for instance, uh, Chardonnay has a very high chilling unit requirement for, for even bud breaks, so that you'll normally plant in the valley floors where most of the cold air accumulates during the evenings and during the winter. Mm-hmm. And then obviously something of plants that you want to get maybe a little bit more green flavour, you'll plant on higher slopes where you actually maybe get the sea breeze effect, or mm-hmm. as Prof. Alain de Rois, which is a sea breeze effect. Um, so <laughs> yes, it all depends on, on the cultivar and Marco Ventrella actually has a YouTube video shared with me. Um, where he refers to cultivars as different people. Um, So Sauvignon Blanc, for instance, is the the runway model that's very pedantic (laughs) and likes to throw tantrums if the air conditioning
0: isn't just right. Your red varietals, what would you say? I I guess Pinot Noir is your finicky one there, right? Yes, that's a difficult
1: tamalecki, if you can use the Afrikaans word. Usually, cooler climates for that, um, Mm. especially if you're going to use it for sparkling wine or Mm. MCC. And, but usually, your red varieties are a little bit more robust when it comes to heat. And mm. Something like Shiraz, though, uh, could be quite, and Merlot tends to be a bit drought sensitive. So you have to take that into account. Okay. But obviously, also going with the aspect and the slope and, and the steepness of the slope goes um, the soil. That's okay. that other, the other thing that we're okay. just casually forgetting about. Do you want to get a little um, bit into
0: <laughs> soil conditions and well, what, basically, what they give to the pines? Know, If you
1: think of South Africa, we've got some of the most varied soil Mm. in in the world. Um, You can have within one vineyard block you can have three or four so different soil types. Oh, wow. It's easy to, I to didn't have it, especially that. if your blocks are big. Um, so yes, that makes uh, getting a homogeneous vineyard, which every viticulturist strives for, it makes it very difficult. you are already trying to combat soil differences. That's why you often find people they change the row spacing within a
0: block, or they use a different rootstock in a block to compensate for some soil abnormality. Uh, I didn't even actually think that or knew that uh, Stalambos had all these different soil types in a small space. But what is your ideal soil type for, for growing grapes, or does it vary again with the different varieties? Yeah,
1: there's variety also with the region according mm-hmm. to the climate, but in Stellenbosch we often find the Tukulu and Hutton soil, soil types, um, mm-hmm. which are deep fertile soils, um, those we find predominantly on the Simonsburg mountain area, mm-hmm. and yes, they're very nice soils to work with, they've got a big buffer capacity, so your necessity for irrigation is drastically lowered. If you've already got a soil that can build up a a reserve for itself during the winter rains. And mm. then
0: Elgin, which is now cooler climate, do they also have the same soil types over yes, there? Yes, you get some Clovelly there as well, but, and Glen Rosa maybe, but yes. And what
1: does what all these names mean? It's based on the composition of the soil layers. Okay. So you've got, normally got the topsoil, which is like the A horizon, and mm-hmm. then subsoil, it could either be structured or very loose. Yeah, so basically how, how the transition between the different layers okay. and what the composition of those are, whether it's aerated or there seems to be waterlogged conditions with there's oxygen available to the plant. um, There's a book put together for soil classification in South Africa and then basically they've identified these forms and given them names and within each form there's different families. Okay. Um, but yes, we normally get the soil scientist who, if you dig a profile, mm-hmm. but he'll climb in there and he'll be able to dissect it, um, the soil.
0: So I always um, hear people or oh, winemakers always talk about shale and clay, but I guess most soil types have a little bit those, of Those are elements, yes. Elements um, that's in the soil. Absolutely. Okay. And sun exposure, would you mm. say um, morning or afternoon sun? There is a lot of debate about
1: that at the moment, the current status quo of what people believe to be best is that early morning sun exposure is better than afternoon sun because the temperatures tend to be warmer on the afternoon side. And also during the day those grapes have already had a time to warm up and then okay. with additional hot afternoon sun that could just push it over the edge.
0: Okay. But yes,
1: there have been studies conducted. Um, I'm a little bit mm. rusty on what the outcomes have been, but some people actually don't have to contest that. So it okay. doesn't matter. But, okay, so but there's I, one of those I, things yeah. that's being worked on a lot with that and irrigation scheduling and drought resistant rootstocks. Those are things that are very hip and happening.
0: Well, to go less technical in our mm-hmm. conversation, If you meet a teenager now that says, oh, you study winemaking, oh, you're doing winemaking, what would you say, if they seem interested Mm. in the subject, what would you say to them to to sort of give them a clear path as Mm. to what they are going to walk into? Yes. Well, basically, if you like wine and you like the outdoors, it's
1: a great opportunity. It's a wonderful career to choose. You just have to remember that you're going to work really really hard, Um, especially if you're going to be the winemaker during the harvest time. It's very long hours, it's strenuous. Outside you often get a curveball thrown at you from implements breaking or mother nature deciding to open heaven's sluices. So yes, um, prepare for the unexpected and just try to stay calm. But yes, um, it's challenging, it's rewarding, sometimes frustrating, but all in Mm -hmm. all, if you're an outdoor person and you want to work with with, um, grapevines, it's very, very rewarding.
0: Okay. Talita, I hope that the new study methods that you are implementing at the Enology and Viticulture Department will be extremely beneficial to our future students. I feel almost when you learn something, when you do something practical, it's, it, it's almost like a given that you will remember yes, it, yes. Um, where if you sit in a classroom and you just learn theory, theory, exactly. theory, it's so hard to remember everything. Do they seem very interested in coming out with you to the farms, are they happy to do all these they things? They
1: seem quite excited about it because they haven't had a lot of exposure to it yet. Um, they just went and looked around about harvest time at the, the different cultivars that I um, mm. um, assigned them in their groups, but by that time it was mostly raisins because it was harvest past. Um, but yeah, so they haven't had a lot of exposure to the vignettes yet, but they keep asking me, are we going to prune this year, are we going to I guess this?
0: they want to get out of the classroom. Yes, That's and then we
1: have a pruning <laughs> competition every year between us and Elsenburg and and CPUT. Okay, so that's, that, exciting. that's coming up in August. And last year we had a girl who actually won, so we have to cool. keep up the, the good work. And in the Stellenbosch as a whole, is also focusing now on blended learning techniques. Okay, which okay. actually moving away from just lecturing in the classroom, me talking, you listening, trying mm. to find interactive online ways of of getting mm. them to to participate so I'm I'm looking forward to trying some of that in the second semester see where this goes
0: oh well good luck with that and yeah keep us posted and I'm hoping that your students are going to be very successful towards the end of the year thank you very much this episode was recorded and produced by me Amanda Fisser. I hope you enjoyed it